0: If you didn't bring a Bible with you this morning, would you raise your hand? The ushers have extra Bibles. Be glad to let you use one of ours. And uh, turn to John 14. For some weeks now we've been on a topic on a subject here we're calling seeing Jesus. Seeing Jesus. How many think you see the Lord? Would it depress you or make you happy? Oh yeah. He's life itself, joy itself. And our text is right here in uh, John 14 and 21. Jesus said, he that has my commandments and keeps them, he it is that loves me. So who loves him? Not just the people that say they love him. Who actually loves Him? The people that do what He says. That's the one that loves Him. Now let's examine this. If the Lord tells you to do something in His Word, by His Spirit, He tells you to do something, and you decide not to do that, to do something else, what did you just prove? Well, you prove you love something else more than you love Him. You love what you want, you love what you want to do, You love what somebody else is wanting more than you love what He wants you to do. You love something else more. If you love Him the most, you'll always do what He tells you to do. Every time. Even if it's not what your flesh wants to do, if it's different from what somebody else wants to do, you love them, but you love Him more. And you can love yourself, but you must love Him more. Thank you, Lord. So if you love him, you'll do what he said. You'll keep his words. And then went on to say, And he that loves me shall be loved of my Father. And I will love him and will manifest myself to him. What will he do if we love him enough to obey him? He will manifest himself to us. This is a great word. Look at the Amplified of this. The Amplified, he said, I will love him and will show, reveal, manifest myself to him. I will let myself be clearly seen by him and make myself real to him. Does it get any better than the Lord showing himself to us and making himself more real to us? Oh, thank God. Can the Lord be more real to you than human people that you fellowship with? Then the chair that you're sitting on. Can he be more real to you. Than he is right now. Right here where you sit. Yes. And sometimes people have talked about that. I myself have in times past. Saw how wonderful and amazing it is. Taste and see that the Lord is good. And when you do. You want more. And so I'm oh please Lord. Reveal yourself to me. Oh please. Oh please. But he didn't say. He reveals himself to those. Who beg the hardest. And longest. Who pray the loudest. Who does he reveal himself to? Who? Those that do what he said. That keep his commandments. So, no need to keep hollering about, show yourself to me, I want to know you more. Just do what he said. And he will. How many believe he'll do exactly what he said? Is surely. As you do what He tells you to do, you keep His commandments, He will reveal Himself, make Himself real to you, let Himself be clearly seen by you. So we're excited about this verse. We've been on this for weeks now, and we're excited about it, and we know we don't have to be concerned about Him doing His part. He is faithful. He will do what He said He would do, as surely as we do what He told us to do. So we're working on our part. Tell me again, what's our part? Keep his commandments. Do what he said. And so we begin in uh, the book of John here, went back to the first chapter, and we've been going through it and looking at the things that Jesus said and told us to do and asking ourselves, do we know this? Uh, Do we understand what he said to us? Are we doing it? Can we do it better? And so we've made it now all the way to the 14th chapter. So if you haven't been with us, you can get caught up. You can go uh, online on the Internet and download it. Uh, All of it, you can go back here in the Word Supply. They'll give you a uh, CD or DVD at no charge. And remember, no charge means no excuse for not knowing it and not getting it because uh, you have to make very little effort to get it. So there's a lot available in regard to this. There's a lot of materials online. There's a lot of materials in the Word Supply. Things about being led by the Spirit. Things about knowing God and things about walking in love and things about faith and things about healing and things about prosperity. If you're struggling in these areas, feed your spirit. Go put your nose in there. Instead of just walking the floors and worrying night and day, do something productive. Get the Word going into your ear. Instead of just talking to your friends about how hard and impossible it is. And a lot of them hadn't put the word in them. So what's going to come out of them is just going to be more fear and unbelief. So you need to get off by yourself. I said get off by yourself. And get some word in you. Get it in you. And how can you tell that you're getting word in you? Encouragement will begin to come. Instead of feeling so weak, you'll begin to feel built up. The Bible talks about in Timothy being nourished up in the words of faith i never forget some of the first faith teaching I heard. Now when it says nourished up in the words of faith, that doesn't necessarily mean a teaching on the subject of faith. But it means what is taught is taught from faith. And of faith and in faith. And how many of them know all messages ought to be? Of faith. And from faith. Everything. And if it really is faith, it'll feed your spirit. It'll feed you. And this is just as real as your body being fed. If your body's real weak, and you know, you go long enough without food and drink, your body can get very, very weak. And you can eat the right thing, and I mean in moments, you'll feel better. (laughs) I said in moments, that'll get into your bloodstream, it'll begin to go to the different parts of your body, you'll feel revived, and even strengthened. Isn't that right? Right? Well, God's Word is food to your spirit. Right. And when it comes in faith, it'll do the same thing. It'll quicken your spirit. It'll feed your spirit. I remember one of the first messages I heard was by uh, Brother Kenneth Copeland along this line way back when we were in our little 1969 Marriott mobile home, and we we're playing on our little borrowed cassette uh, player. Half of what he said, I didn't understand. But when we got through, I sat there and I thought, I like that. I didn't know why I liked it. But now I know it had ministered to my spirit. There was faith in it. And that encouraged my spirit. I didn't understand a lot of it with my mind. But see, you don't have to be a nutritionalist. You don't have to understand all about food for food to help you. Just get it in your mouth. Just swallow it. Get it in you. And it will do all kinds of things that you don't have a clue how it's doing it. Or what's in there. And you don't have to understand everything with your head. Just get it in you. And you can tell. How can you tell something's feeding your spirit? It'll encourage you. It'll edify you. It'll build you up. It'll strengthen you. After you finish hearing it, you feel better. On the inside. You feel encouraged. You feel strengthened. Now, after you hear something, if you feel weaker and more miserable and more faithless than before you heard it, that's the wrong thing. You're listening to the wrong thing. Even when the Lord corrects you, it ends up well. Sometimes you need a good spanking. Oh, man, you need a good one. Oh, yeah. You need to be rebuked. But I mean, oh, the Lord is, if He does it, it's love. It's because you need it. It's because if you don't get straightened out, it's going to cost you terribly. And if you'll just humble yourself and receive it before you get through, you can be shouting the victory. And now you can be more encouraged than ever because you got that thing out of the way that was holding you up. And now you're on the right track. And now you're in obedience. Now you can really get some miracles. Right? So you should always end up in faith and victory. So we've seen this in the Word of God with His instructions, commandments that He told us. But let's look in chapter 14, verse 1. This commandment that He said to us, we talked about it last week. Let's talk about it again. Let not your heart be troubled. Is that a commandment? Is it? Is this a suggestion? Did he say try? Do the best you can. What did he say? Let not. Understood subject is you. You are not to let your heart be troubled. A lot of people don't even believe that's possible. So they ignore it. Never paid attention to it. But do we want the Lord to manifest himself to us? Do we love him? If you love him, you'll do what he said. Here's something he said. What did he say? Don't let your heart be troubled. Is that possible? Must be. He told us. Now most people don't live like this. Because a lot of folk just don't live by faith. He's talking about living by faith. He didn't say you'd never be tempted to be troubled. Hmm? Just on a regular basis. I pass by marvelous opportunities to get upset. (laughs) I just pass them by. Marvelous opportunities to get depressed. To get down. You know, you don't hear about all the stuff that goes on behind the scenes. You know why? Because we're not going to let ourselves be troubled by it. And you don't need to be troubled by it. Let's just believe God. Just like He's met all our needs. He's done everything all these other times. He'll do it again. And He does it. And we go on. But when the enemy does something. And you focus on it. And you major on it. And you talk about it night and day. It's going to fill your life. And it's going to blot out the light. And block the light of God's Word. And the light of His strength and help in your life. This is not just a suggestion. It's not just a good idea. You know, don't don't get upset. People say that like, oh, yeah, right, right, I'll I'll try not to. It's a command. Because it's serious. If you yield to frustration and anxiety and trouble, you're going down. It's serious stuff. You're yielding to unbelief. You're yielding to fear. And you're cutting off your help. And if you do that, you're not enough in yourself. You need His help. Now let's look at this on the other side. If you obey Him, if He said, don't let your heart be troubled. And you say, okay. I'm not going to let myself be troubled. I'm not going to take care. I'm not going to be anxious. I'm not going to worry. I'm going to cast all my care on the Lord. And no matter what happens, I'm going to stay up. I'm going to give God the victory. If you walk in faith like you're supposed to, if you obey the Lord... People will think something's wrong with you. Things will be going on in your life, and you'll just be smiling. And they'll look at you and go, look at that, pitiful. They ain't got enough sense to know how much trouble they're in. (laughs) Bless their hearts, look at them. You're just smiling. Man, their whole world's falling apart. They're just smiling, saying, glory to God. Bless their hearts. (laughs) Because most people, if it's rough, they act like it's rough. If it feels bad, they act like it feels bad. And they yield to it. And they let their hearts be troubled. And they let themselves get upset and they just fall off the deep end. And they get depressed and just wallow in it until they can't see any hope or any victory. And that is disobeying the Lord. It's ignoring Him and disobeying. And if you look at them and say, well, i am trying, but I can't. Well, it's just simply not true. He didn't tell you to do something that you can't do. It's a decision. I said it's a decision. It's a decision. Oh, you'll be tempted. You'll be tempted to fret and get upset. But don't do it. Don't yield to it. Just because the feelings are there doesn't mean you've already yielded. We've learned how to do this with healing. We need to learn how to do this with this. Just because the symptoms are there doesn't mean you have to say, Well, they're here. I'm sick. That's it. No, even though they're there, resist them and call your body healed. And even though there are symptoms there of fear and anxiety and pressure, even though there are tears in your eyes, even though there's all these other things, don't just say, well, it's too late, I'm already upset. No, resist it. Resist it. Say, I know I got these feelings, but I'm not yielding to this. In Jesus' name, I refuse. To be depressed, I refuse to be afraid. I refuse to be troubled. God has brought me through again and again and again. And He'll do it this time again. I'm trusting in Him. I'm going to cast all my care on Him. I'm not going to worry about a thing. And oh, uh, years ago, Brother Kenneth Hagan Sr. and Miss Aretha, and their family was young, still babies. They're coming in from a meeting and He and Miss Aretha had been, this is a story that he's told many times, they had had some discussion that had kind of got intense. And uh, they're getting in late and they're coming up on the porch in the old house and it's dark and he's fumbling around trying to find the key to get in the door. And Miss Aretha said, Kenneth, I reckon if me and the children just fell dead right here on the porch, you wouldn't even worry about it. He looked around and said, well, what good would it do then? I don't think that blessed her at the time. But years later, she would testify about the Lord, how the Lord taught her to do that as well. How she learned to cast her cares over on the Lord and not live in fearful and troubled state. (laughs) It's the truth. What good would it do? You still got victory. God's still on the throne. They're saved. They're in heaven. You'll see them again soon. All your lamenting and worrying and being troubled ain't going to change one thing. Ain't going to help one thing. So many people worry and fret and fear and are troubled about so many things. And it is such a waste of your energy and your strength and your resources. And in light of this, it's blatant disobedience. Isn't it? Do you love the Lord? If you do, what will you do? You'll obey Him. You'll do what He said. Here's something He said. What did he say? Let not your heart be troubled. So what are you going to do? You going to do it? Yeah. Hmm. So then every time we see you, you're going to be up. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. Even if you got trouble all around you, you're still going to be up. Yeah. Turn to 2 Corinthians. We're not through with this. 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians describes this. It's the spirit of faith. And the spirit of faith is the spirit of victory. What the scriptures say, this is the victory that overcomes the whole world. Even our faith. The spirit of faith is the spirit of victory. And you see a description of the spirit of faith here in 2 Corinthians 4.13. He says, we having the same spirit of faith, according as it is written, I believed, and therefore have I spoken. We also believe, and therefore speak. So faith is believing in the heart, and speaking with the mouth. That's how you got born again. That's how you get everything. And verse 8, he describes this spirit of faith. He said, we are troubled on every side. And I don't know what I'm going to do. It's sure weighing heavy on me. (laughs) no what did he say yet I'm not distressed is it possible to have trouble on every side and not be stressed out (laughs) is it possible I mean you got trouble you got car trouble you got house trouble you got job trouble you got dog trouble you got mole trouble you got weather problems. you got money problems. you got skin problems. Is it possible to have all that and yet not be distressed over it? Well, that would take some faith now, wouldn't it? That would mean that no matter how, how much it piles up, you look up and go, well, I, I don't care. God's still on the throne. The Word's still true. He always causes me to trouble. I don't know how. I can't see it all. But I'm coming out of every one of these. I'm coming through every one of these victorious. It's got to be. I won't quit. Till I see the other side of this. I'm not letting this get me down. I'm not. I'm not going to stress out over this. That would be obeying the command. Let not your heart be troubled wouldn't it. Keep reading. He said we are perplexed. But not in despair. Perplexed means it's kind of like a cartoon character with a caption above their head with a great big question mark. You're like, huh? Why did that happen? Uh, why didn't that happen? What's going on? Where am I? <laughs> you know, the Bible talks about in our infirmities. The Spirit of God helps our infirmities, for we know not. Not. What we should pray for as we ought. That's one of the biggest weaknesses we have is what we don't know. Man, you could fill up the ocean with volumes about what we don't know. But just because you're in a situation, it didn't turn out the way you wanted it to. It didn't turn out the way you know it's supposed to. Or this happened and you are wondering why and how did that happen and, and where did this come from? Even though these things are going on and you got questions, it is not an excuse To be in despair. Now people think it is. They think, well I don't know. So I'm depressed. This is getting me down. No, those are two different things. You not knowing and getting depressed are two different things. People assume, well because I don't know, it's understandable that I'm down. No, it's not understandable that you're down. You cannot know all kinds of things and still be up. (laughs) Somebody say, you know why that happens? You go, no. I don't. But God's still on the throne, and the Word is still true, and victory's mine, some way, somehow. Can you be up no matter what? The people will think you've lost it. They'll think something's wrong. We think, bless their heart, they've been under so much pressure they snapped. Look at them, smiling like an idiot. They just <laughs> ain't got enough sense to be upset in trouble. <laughs> No, you just love the Lord enough that you're going to do what He said. You're going to take Him serious and take Him at His word. And if He told you not to be troubled, then you're not going to let yourself get upset and get troubled like that. Right. Right. Yeah. You're going to cast your care on Him. Yeah. You're going to rest in Him. But yeah. well, what if you die? Well, the Lord tarries is coming that long. You are going to die. Right. You and your dog and your cat and your bird and your go fishing. Your flower, everything you see is going to die. You shouldn't be shocked about that. But it's like somebody was talking to Brother Oral Roberts some years ago. He uh dealing with a physical thing and, and the procedure. And they said, well, what if you don't make it out of this? I mean, what if you don't uh, overcome? And he smiled and he said, the alternative is stunning. <laughs> <laughs> Glory to God. Yeah. Yeah. What if you don't make it through? Well, hey, I've been wanting to check up my place <laughs> big time. I've been huh. <laughs> so I'll be through with this curse filled world. Okay. <laughs> I can handle it. But he goes on to say, Persecuted but not forsaken. How many know you're never really alone? If everybody leaves you, the Lord won't leave you. So don't don't get to crying and go. Nobody's left me. That's a lie. That's a lie. The main one's still there. Hmm? That reminds me of a friend of mine in another state with a, a good church. He uh, he was teaching some things that some of his folks didn't like, and, and the main guy in his church, main guy financially, had two or three families that were there. Uh, several people if you put them all together and he was the strongest guy financially he had he was very wealthy and he put a lot of money and time into the church and this guy came in and said you know i don't agree with what you're teaching on this and and he said well brother it's it's in the bible he said yeah i know it, but if you don't like it and if you don't quit teaching this i'm gonna leave and pull all my families and my money out and and he said well brother i i don't want to lose you but you can't tell me what to preach and uh he said well we're leaving and he left and he's walking across the park and not leaving. And the pastor looked at him he said, uh, Lord, there goes the biggest giver in my church. He said the Lord spoke to him and said, no, nah, I'm still here. <laughs> he said it wasn't, it wasn't a few months. He brought in three just as strong as he was. What are we talking about? Jesus said that, you know, when all the disciples ran and left him, he told them, he said, all of you are going to leave me. But he didn't start crying. He said, Yet I am not alone. I'm not alone. The Father's with me. How many know the Lord said he had never leave you? He had never forsake you. Always with you. So no matter how persecuted, how much trouble, don't you despair, don't you fall down and start telling lies and going, nobody oh, help me, everybody's left me. Not true. Not true. Not true. I'm so alone, you're not alone. You're not alone. Don't, don't be lying like that. You're not alone. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. One translation says knocked down, but not knocked out. (laughs) I used to, uh, sport fight. And so I get this picture, I got this picture in my mind of that knockdown. I mean, I can see myself in, in the ropes being pummeled with blood all over my face and down and look up through the blood and grin and go, I'm winning. <laughs> I mean, it don't look like you're winning. Yeah, but I am. I, I mean, a man like that, a woman like that will believe God, no matter how dark it looks and how bad it looks, he will not leave you. He will not fail you. Something's going to happen to bring you up, to bring you out. But if you cry and feel sorry for yourself and you yield to trouble and anxiety and fear and pressure, you're cutting off your own help. He has to have faith out of you. He set it up that way. Faith is not optional. He requires it of us. So uh, let not your heart be troubled. How many say okay? All right. Take it seriously now. Then from here on out, is it possible to go the whole rest of this week? And not get down? And not, now you may have some marvelous opportunities to get upset, to get troubled, but just pass them right by I go, no thanks, no thanks. You want to get upset? Uh, No. No, just, no, I'm not going to join that. You're going to get mad. You're going to get depressed. Oh, you got a good reason to get depressed. No, I don't have good enough reason. I'll never have good enough reason. The Lord told me not to. So I can't. I can't participate. I can't join your pity party. I can't be upset with you. The Lord has forbid me to do that. So what are you going to do? I'm staying up. And I learned a song last Sunday. You want to sing it with me? Count your blessings. Name them one by one. Count your blessings. See what the Lord has done. Count your blessings. Name them one by one. Count your bless Look, look what the Lord has done. And look what he's about to do. Yeah, but. No, yeah, but. That's it. Yeah, but what if? No, what if? What if? God comes through every time. We always triumph. We overcome. We're winners. Well, would you like to hear the sermon today? <laughs> was there, what was that? Well, that was the sermon. But uh <laughs> I just didn't quite know it. John... John 14, (laughs) let's take some more, let not your heart be troubled, then he went on to talk about preparing our place, and then he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and down in verse 9, Jesus said to Philip, have I been so long time with you, and yet have you not known me, Philip? He that has seen me has seen the Father. And how sayest thou then, show us the Father? Believest thou not that I am in the Father, and the Father in me? The words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself, but the Father that dwells in me, he doeth the works. So are the words connected to the works? They are. Verse 11, believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father in me, or else believe me for the very works sake. Verily, verily, I say to you, he that believes on me, the works that I do, shall he do also, and greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father. Can we have the works of Jesus in our life? Are we supposed to? Well, if you believe on him, he said you'd have them, you'd do them. What are the works of Jesus? Well, the Bible said Jesus went about all their cities and villages teaching and preaching and healing. Uh, He did a lot of teaching and preaching. These are the works of Jesus. And so you can be a part of it. You can be doing it yourself or you can help somebody that's doing it or you can help send somebody that's doing it. How many know we still need to get the word out? To all kind of people. And healing was a big part of his ministry. There were works of healing. We've seen here just in this book of John. We see the uh, nobleman's son was healed. The man at the pool of Bethesda was healed. We see the uh, blind man was healed. It washed in the pool of Siloam. We see Lazarus was raised from the dead and healed. These are mighty works. Could we still expect these kind of works to be done in modern times? Certainly, He hasn't changed. If you believe on Him, the works that He did, you'll do also, and greater works than these shall you do. So I want to go briefly over three things that are key to us having and doing the works of Jesus in our life. He said that we would, if we believe on Him. Number one is the name of Jesus, the authority of the name of Jesus. The very next verse, he said this. He said, the works I do, you'll do also. Greater works than these shall I do, be- shall you do, because I go to my Father. Verse 14, if you ask anything in my name, I will do it. That, that phrase, I will do it, and, and also means make it. I will make it, or I will make it happen. I like that, don't you? Yes. To do means also to make. One Greek scholar years ago, I remember Brother Hagen quoting him, he said, uh, he read it this way, if I don't have it, I'll make it for you. He is the Creator. He has everything, He can do everything. So, if you ask anything in His name, He will make it. Or make it happen. Or do it. The works of Jesus in his name, not in your name. Now, he didn't come in his own name, but in his father's name. And he gave the father all the glory. He said, I only say what I hear the father say. I only do what I see him do. When you get to thinking about the works of Jesus, a lot of times people get off into an idea That borders on sorcery. What do you mean? They have the idea of me having power. To do supernatural things. Are you with me? And that is not a true concept. In fact look at Acts the 8th chapter. And you'll see a specific reference to this. Acts chapter 8. There was a sorcerer. Here, you remember his name, Simon, Acts 8, and verse 13, Simon, who was a sorcerer, well let me me back up, verse 9, there was a certain man called Simon, who before time in the same city used sorcery and bewitched the people of Samaria, now get this, giving out that himself was some great one. What was his focus? He would do stuff and it was bewitching or deceptive, fooling. And when things happened and people went, ah, what would he do? He would give out that himself. How could you do that? I'm a great one. He was saying that some way, somehow. He was he was attributing these things to his power. His awesomeness, his spiritual power. And then he came face to face with the real power of God. <laughs> Glory to God. He saw Peter and John come down. And man, he saw the real thing. And even they laid hands on people, and they got filled with the Holy Ghost. And they spoke in tongues, and he was mesmerized by that. And the Bible said, himself. Verse 13, Simon himself believed, and he was baptized. And he continued with Philip and wondered. He tagged around, beholding the miracles and the signs which were done. Because, see, he had been slight of hand and... Maybe he dabbled in a little demon stuff, but he hadn't seen anything like this. And boy, this was ringing his bell. And and he believed, and he's tagging along, and he his mouth is open. And then when the apostles came down, and verse 15, they prayed for them, uh, that they might receive the Holy Ghost, for as yet he was fallen upon none of them, only they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then laid they their hands on them, and they received the Holy Ghost. And when Simon saw... So something must have happened that you could see when they were filled with the Spirit. And we have evidence after evidence, occasion after occasion, where when they were filled, they spoke with other tongues. And he said, verse 19, give me also this power. Do what? Give me this power that on whomsoever I lay hands, he may receive the Holy Ghost. Now see, he still got sorcerer mentality. Doesn't he? He's saying, give me this power so I can do something. But that's not how this works. Did Jesus operate that way? Come on, what did he say? I can of my own self do nothing. I only do what I see the Father. We see Jesus going to that five porches of sick folk and ministering to one man and turning and leaving. Why didn't he do that for everybody? According to him, he couldn't. Are you with me now? I know people don't like that, but I'm quoting Jesus. John five, nineteen and twenty and twenty one. Read it. That's what he said. I can of my own self do what? Do you believe what he said or not? And we see thing after thing after thing. I mean the apostles operated the same way. They didn't just go and do what they wanted to do, when they wanted to do it and how they wanted to do it. They had to wait on the Lord. And when He said something, then you could say what He said. When He showed you something, you could do what. Now, when it comes to you receiving the blessings of God for yourself, you can receive what's been bought and paid for at the cross anytime. I'm talking about you receiving for yourself. But when it's talking about you going and ministering to others, you can't just indiscriminately do what you want to do. Nobody, I don't care who they are, what they claim to be, you don't have power that you can just go do things When you decide to. Sorcerer mentality. Can you see this? And he said to them, he said, you know, give me this power. I'll pay you how much you want. I'll give you money. I want this power so that when I lay hands on people, this will happen to them. I want this power. And uh, they said, Peter said to him, your money perish with you. Because you thought the gift of God can be bought with money. You know, sometimes people need a stern rebuke. That went over big, didn't it? <laughs> they need to see how serious this is. And how far off, you know, like your parents. And like your elders. I mean, sometimes if they didn't react, I don't mean they lose control. But if they didn't react in a strong way, you wouldn't realize how serious it is. Sometimes your elders need to look at you and go, what? What? what stop that boy peter wheeled around and said your money perish with you i bet that got his attention he thought "Whoa!" i said the wrong thing yeah you did (laughs) you thought the gift of god could be bought with money you have neither part nor lot in this matter your heart is not right in the sight of god so is he gonna have the works of jesus manifested in him like this No, he's going to have to change. Because he's trying to think, I got power. He's still trying to be a sorcerer. I can do stuff. No, no. How will you have the works of Jesus in you? In his name, number one. Number two is going to be by his spirit. That was the next thing in that verse. Look back in John 14. That was the next thing that he said. John 14 If you ask anything in my name, 1414, I will do it. If you love me, keep my commandments and I'll pray the Father and he'll give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it sees him not, neither knows him, but you know him for he dwells with you and he shall be in you. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. They were, you know, he had to tell them don't be troubled because they were troubled and upset because they heard he's leaving. And he keeps telling them and he tells them this in the 15th chapter and in the 16th chapter again. I'm not going to leave you helpless. I'm not going to leave you comfortless. I'm sending another comforter. Another comforter means one of the same kind. Well, he was their comforter while he was with them. But he's saying, you're not going to miss out. I'm sending somebody else just like me. Glory to God. It's going to be better because not only will he be with you like I was, but he's going to be in you 24-7. Oh, thank God. You know, if one of the disciples was talking to Jesus, then the other one might have to wait. Or if he's preaching, well, we got the comforter in us. You don't have to wait. He's in you 24-7. And he is the comforter. Put that up in the Amplified, please. What is that, the 16th verse? Put that up, 14, 16. I will ask the Father, He'll give you another comforter. And here the Amplified brings out the fuller meaning of the Greek word that's translated comforter, the Greek word paraclete. And here He says, counselor, will that comfort you? Helper, that comforts you. Intercessor, comforts you. Advocate, strengthener, stand by. How are you going to do the works of Jesus? You're going to do the works of Jesus in the name of Jesus, not in your own name. And you're going to do the works of Jesus in the power of the Holy Ghost, not in your own strength, not in your own power. And he said, if you love, prior to this, he said, if you love me, keep my commandments. What's he talking about? He's talking about you operating just like he did. He heard the father say something. He would say it in his name. When he saw the Father do something through him, he would go do it. And the power of God would make it happen. And mighty works did show themselves. And when they did, God was revealed and people saw God. Whether they knew it or not, they're seeing God. And the same thing's supposed to be happening today. By the name of Jesus and by the power of the Holy Spirit. Are you glad you got the greater one inside you? Is he a comfort? Yes. Is he a helper? Yes. Is he a counselor? Yes. Man, you got the counselor and you don't even have to make an appointment. You got the counselor inside you 24-7. You need some help. You need some wisdom. He's there yes. all the time. He is your strengthener. He is your standby. I touched on early in the first service back, uh, in my teenage days, my, my dad and my brother and my cousins, we'd tool around on cars and hot rod cars. They raced cars in the quarter mile, and it'd help us with some of our stuff, my cousins. And, and uh, oh, man, you know, I, I had this Mustang, and I wanted to make more power. It had a two-barrel carburetor. So the first thing we did was yank that two-barrel off and yank that manifold off, and we put us a good high-rise on there with a good spread-bore holly. Now, a four-barrel carb. of course, we've got fuel injection nowadays, but a four-barrel carb set up for street use, you run on the front two barrels until you need more power. What's a a four-barrel? Well, I'm sorry if you don't know. uh, Ask somebody. Explain it to you later. But let's say you're pulling a hill and and you need more power and, and the front two is just not doing the job. Well, you poke it on down. You poke that accelerator on down and you kick in those back two barrels. And oh man, on the right kind of setup. I mean, it just dumps the gas in there. And boy, some things happen under the hood and oh, the power comes on. Well, how many know you got somebody inside you that's so much bigger than you are? And you can be at the point in your life where you just out of gas. You just you just don't have any more. But old friend, reach up there and kick her on down. Kick her on down because there's somebody inside you that's so much greater, and he is your standby. He's on standby to strengthen you and to empower you beyond your own strength and get you through no matter what it is, no matter how hard it is, you can come through. You can overcome. Glory. Glory. Said out loud. The greater one. Great one. Lives, in lives in me. He's the bigger one. The bigger one. Is inside me. Inside me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Is he your counselor? Yeah, yeah. Your advocate? Yeah, yeah. Your intercessor? Yeah. Your strengthener? Yeah. Your standby? Yeah. He's all that Glory. and more. Glory, Glory. 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 to God. Thank you. How can you have the works of Jesus in your life? By the authority of the name of Jesus. And by the power of the Holy Spirit. And thirdly, and of course this is important too, by your own faith. In Galatians, the third chapter, the fifth verse, says, He that ministers to you the Spirit and works miracles among you, doeth he it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Well, the answer is faith. How do you get miracles? You're going to get miracles by faith. And faith comes by hearing the word. Jesus, for instance, he had authority being sent by the father. The anointing was on him. Remember when he was baptized in the river Jordan, the Holy Spirit came on him, bodily shape and form as a dove. And the Bible said he had the spirit without measure. The anointing was on him. But did it still require faith on his part to stand up and to say what the father told him to say, to go do? How about standing in front of that tomb at Lazarus? Huh? And all these people looking around him, many of them with unbelief. Yeah, he's seen some things. Yes, he's heard some things. But it still take faith to go out there and do it. And to say it. And to act on it. Yes, and it will with you and I as well. If we'll fellowship with him, if we'll look to him, he'll show us things. He'll speak things to our heart. And if we'll say it in his name, and we'll do it, yield to his spirit, the manifestation of the Lord will come. Good things will happen. Miracles will happen. It will take faith to do it. I like what Jesus' mother said at the wedding of Canaan. What what was going on there? They ran out of wine, you know. And what did she look around to him and say? Whatever he says to you, do it. That's the key to miracles. My brother, that's the key to miracles, my sister. Whatever he says to you, do it. And so, man, they went out there and they did it. They acted on it. How many understand Jesus must have seen that happen in himself? He must have seen them doing that and seen that miracle coming to pass. He said, I only do what I see my father do. And so they're acting out what he saw them do. And then they bring, and in a moment of time, that H2O was chemically changed, wasn't it? Into a fine aged wine. Well, if God could do that, he could change another liquid. He could change your blood just like that. He could change spinal fluid. How many believe God is mighty and powerful and nothing's too hard for Him? If He could do that, somebody say, I believe in miracles. I believe in miracles. They did what He told them to do. Whatever He says to you, do it. And when they did, a miracle came to pass. And it was a work that revealed the Lord. When you keep His commands, what's going to happen? He's going to be revealed. You're going to see Him. People around you are going to see Him. Is it His will that people see Him today? That they see Him in our lives? And in things that pertain to us? And it's not enough for us to just quote Scriptures randomly off the top of our head. Is there supposed to be power in our life? Are there supposed to be miracles happening in our life? And when they do, people will see God in these things. And when they see His goodness, it will lead them to repentance. It will draw them right